Let's Pretend We're Married is the fourth track on 1999, as well as the fourth single that was released from the album. It wasn't a big hit for Prince. It, it's reached number 52 on the charts, so it wasn't top 40 smash. It wasn't a song that I heard a lot on the radio personally. But it's interesting that Let's Pretend We're Married, as I mentioned, the fourth track on 1999, consecutively on that album, you've got track number one, 1999, was also the first single. Little Red Corvette, the second single, which is the second track. Delirious, third track, third single, Let's Pretend We're Married. So in the United States, at least, I know that uh, DMSR was a single in other countries, but in the United States and Canada, uh, Let's Pretend We're Married was the fourth track. So that is the song we're going to be talking about today and um, and returning to the podcast to talk to me about the lyrics behind Let's Pretend We're Married is Erica Thompson. Welcome back. Erica. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Uh, so you're a writer and you're currently deep in the process of an interesting journey of Prince's music as well. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you're working on and, and where your work can be found, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So I am working on a book on uh, Prince's spiritual journey, analyzing um, his lyrics, his spiritual lyrics, and um, also trying to talk to as many people as I can who knew him to kind of get an idea of... Um, how his spiritual beliefs evolved over time. So I've been doing that for almost 10 years now, hoping to finish the book uh, pretty soon. But you can find out more information at a purple day in December.com. I blog about the book, I blog about spirituality, but I also do um, other fun interviews and articles about Prince as well. Very cool. I do like your blog a lot and I do check it out. I'm uh, signed up to receive notifications whenever you put something out there new. We're still back in the 80s on the podcast. I'm slowly working through his discography and um, at the 1999 album, his fifth. And um, on Let's Pretend We're Married, which is the song we're doing, he once again mines a very similar territory, I feel like, on, on our previous collaboration, which was on Controversy's Sexuality. So I think a lot of times um, in his career early on and, and really all throughout, he interweaves that sexual and spiritual imagery. And in this one, he does the same, although it's not it's not quite obvious right away that he does that. And we'll obviously get to towards the end of the song where some of that spiritual imagery and that spiritual discussion becomes more prominent. But um, what do you think? I mean, uh, you and I, we collaborated on the sexuality of controversy, as I mentioned, and now we're doing Let's Pretend We're Married. Do you see any kind of um, similarities or any parallels between the two songs? Absolutely. I think at this point in Prince's career, he's um, he's still emphasizing that whole idea of sexual freedom and free love. And it's OK, you know, if, we're, if you're not married, <laughs> you know, we can pretend and we can play on that idea of, I guess, Christian morality. But, you know, he says, you know, it's OK to give in to some of these impulses. But at the same time, and I think you really start to see this around co the Controversy album, it, he's, he starts to introduce more and more Christian imagery and you can take that in so many different 
different ways. Even on this song, I mean, you can say, oh, he's just being controversial when he starts talking about God at the end. Or you can say, no, I mean, he really believed in God. He believed in God. He believed in sexual freedom. It was okay for him to believe in them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the, the song's title, Let's Pretend We're Married, seems like it's an an advocation for monogamy (laughs) in some ways (laughs) and then what all that provides which you know familiarity trust um, comfort safety just the things that people who are in a monogamous sexual relationship are looking for and so but the, the the whole fact that it's not let's get married or i want to be married to you it's let's pretend we're married so it's really uh, it's it's kind of a different take on it on monogamy and and let's be monogamous but maybe just for the moment or let's utilize that that idea of monogamy to you know have a, a sexual encounter that maybe the other person wouldn't have been as wouldn't have been as interested in had he not presented it in that way I guess I don't know. Uh, but the song's lyrics are very interesting from that standpoint of how he's trying to use um, like this this idea, as you said, of Christian morality to to sleep with somebody. At least that's what it looks like on the surface. Like if you're just reading the lyrics from a surface level, and uh, so I think maybe this is something that monogamy that is is something that maybe Prince kind of struggled with early on in his life. Uh, the idea of it and well and the execution of it in many cases uh, so he, it's well known that he was very active um, serial monogamous <laughs> in some cases and, and in many cases maybe not even so much that and maybe monogamy was something he strived for or something he w- uh, wanted but just wasn't sure how to get there yet what are your thoughts on that yeah i think that's um that's a conclusion that you can come to you know it's just it's I mean obviously we didn't know him so and in talking to people who knew him that's one conclusion that you can draw um but I think if we look at his music what's really interesting is the way he deals with monogamy as time goes by as he puts out more albums as he gets more mature so like we can think of a song like this or sexuality or uptown but then we can fast forward to like sign of the times and think about forever in my life where he's saying you know there comes a time when a man gets tired of fooling around juggling hearts and things like that so you do see that evolution in his music and i think um that you know you could make a case that that is mirroring what's going on in his real life yeah the evolution is pretty clear as you mentioned and i think it also I mean, he's pretty young still when this song is recorded. And not to say that young men cannot have that that concept of of monogamy and marriage in their head, but I think there's also still some immaturity uh, that a lot of, of uh, young men struggle with and, and wanting it all and, and maybe not necessarily knowing what they want at the same time and thinking they want this, but really they want this and that duality of... I want to have the freedom to to be with whomever and maybe experience different relationships with different types of people and different women. But I also crave, uh, you know, stability and, and the, the type of closeness that you only get when you're with somebody for an extended period of time. And if you're bouncing around from 
from relationship to relationship, from bed to bed, it's very difficult to to really connect that deeply with somebody, I think. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, as his career goes on, his life goes on, that is clear evolution in his career and his lyrics. And it makes absolutely, you can see that trajectory from young man to, you know, thirties to middle-aged and it's, it's all right there in front of us. And we're just kind of working our way through it now. We're still in the very young man phase of his career, so that's where we're at now with Let's Pretend We're Married. Going into the lyrics for the first verse, he starts off the song, Excuse me, but I need a mouth like yours to help me forget the girl that just walked out my door. Funny, but it seems that you're alone like me. If you are, go. Let's come see what we can see. So what I get right off the bat with this uh, verse is that, you know, if I'm just looking at it from at face value again, he has apparently been left by his, his girl, and it appears that he's looking for a rebound. Um, so he sees somebody else alone and, and, and probably has a thought process of, well, she's kind of in the same, same position as I am. She's alone. Maybe she was recently jilted. Maybe not. All I see is a, a woman that is not with another man. So I'm going to hit on her. She's a potential prime candidate for my rebound that I'm looking for. Maybe, maybe even trying to make this other girl jealous, but we'll go into that in the next, next verse. Do you, um, See anything really different, significantly different than that for this first verse, Erica? No, I totally agree. It, it sounds like a rebound, and I think this is a very safe first verse. <laughs> We're not getting into any of the crazier lines yet or more vivid or sexual lines yet. So, yeah, that's totally what I get from that. Yeah, it's really just a setup, I think, just kind of a setup for the the concept of the song and where it's going to go. He's a... Uh, He's out there. He's looking for a rebound. He sees a pretty woman, <laughs> and you know, just Prince being Prince with the, with his ability to write lyrics that are saying one thing, but it's done in a way that makes it interesting. And he really, I think, the whole 1999 album is filled with songs that are basically saying something in a way that is very unusual, or at least. Uh, very lyrical and, and poetic in some ways. So, excuse me, but I need a mouth like yours. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one way of, of of saying. Obviously, I you, you know you're you're very attractive. I'm attracted to you, and I would like to kiss you. But instead of just saying that, he says this instead, and it makes it that much more interesting to to listen to. Yeah, I, I agree. So the chorus then, because uh, that's just the first verse, and he goes right into the chorus. Ooh, little darling, if you're free for a couple of hours. And then you have uh, Prince echoing himself, free for a couple of hours. If you ain't busy for the next seven years. Next seven years. So let's pretend we're married and go all night. There ain't nothing wrong if it feels all right. I won't stop until the morning light. Let's pretend we're married and go all night. Tonight. Okay, so I'll let you uh, kind of 
give us a give the listeners and myself your thoughts on the course. Yeah. So I and 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 again, we just have to say the cool thing about Prince's music is there are just so many different layers <laughs> and perspectives that you can take. But I think I'm just still like drawn to this perspective of kind of pushing back on society, especially how conservative American society was during the Reagan era. And it's just like this idea that, you know, sex is sacred within marriage. So I think to me, it seems like he's pushing back on that idea. Like, okay, let's just, let's pretend we're married. Like this is okay. This is still sacred. This is still enjoyable. This is something that we should give into even if we're not married. So it's kind of, I think it's a playful way to kind of touch on that view. Um, but, uh, you know, getting more specific into the lyrics, um, of course there's going to be a reference to Seven. <laughs> Prince <laughs> loves to refer to Seven throughout his whole career. That's a number that he was really drawn to. But then, of course, I think he's playing with that philosophy or that theory, I should say, that like, you know, seven years into a marriage and then you start to experience some sort of decline the seven-year itch so I think yeah I think he's um, playing on that as well but um, yeah that's really that's really what I get from that from the course and again there ain't nothing wrong if it feels all right it's just you know kind of trying to get away from that guilt that uh, people feel when they give in to those desires yeah, and I'm I'm picking up the same kind of um, concepts and themes with the chorus. He's clearly not looking for a real relationship. He's not looking for a girlfriend. I mean, it's in the chorus, free for a couple hours. So that right there indicates that he's looking for a casual encounter, a casual sexual encounter, if he's only asking for a couple hours. And then, of the course, in the next line, as you mentioned, the next seven years, if you're not busy for the next seven years, uh, I take that to mean like, if we're going to get together, you can pretty much expect that this is going to, <laughs> we're going to uh, lose our interest in each other in seven years. And it's maybe not literally like we're going to be together for seven years, but that that honeymoon period, that phase where um, the relationship is still new enough, where the two people are connected in a way that is is very, very intense and that's what he's looking for he's looking for that really initial intensity in whatever encounter he's going to have in this in this rebound situation that he's in uh the little little thing he does after singing this chorus the ooey shasha cuckoo yeah all the hippies sing together uh, i don't think that there's really anything deep deeper into this deeper meanings into that i think he just likes the sound of it i mean he obviously sings a little bit about hippies and hippies <laughs> on this album and i think he i feel like he's talked about hippies in previous songs and albums as well but it's just i don't know i don't, I don't take too much from that i don't read it too much into these lines and, or you know that that particular section of the song yeah i think um you know the hippie thing yeah it's it's consistent throughout his career but especially during this album and and um the controversy album and dirty mind and i think he's just really gravitating toward that make love not war philosophy associated with hippies and and again embracing like sexual freedom and that's like really a message that he seems to be pushing but then like even later in his career like if you think of Chelsea Rogers 
um, what did he say, 21st century hippie or life of the party, you know, all, all the purple hippies. So it's it's something that you continue to see over and over again in his in his career. Yeah, he just sometimes it's confusing, though, because at times he sings lines about hippies that make it seem like he's on board with the concept or embracing it. And then other times he sings it where it seems like he has disdain for the hippies. So <laughs> I just it just depends on the song, I guess. And I don't know always where what he really stands on it or if he even has a firm stance. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes him so interesting, Jason. <laughs> and so yeah. confusing. Because in this song, all the hippies sing together, you kind of like, yeah, free love. Let's let's get the hippies who obviously have always embraced this this ideology. And I'm gonna get them on my side. <laughs> Let's pretend we're married. The hippies would agree, right? <laughs> Okay, so then the next uh, the next verse, excuse me, but I need your chemistry. Don't you want to be my fantasy? My girl's gone and she don't care at all. And if she did, so what? Come on, baby, let's. And then he said, <laughs> I love the way he sings it. But, but oh, but he's saying ball. Come on, baby, let's ball. But he doesn't just sing it. Of course, he has his own uh, way of of communicating those lines or emoting those lines with his special Prince speak. So verse two mentions his girl again, just to reiterate the fact that his girl's gone. So, hey, he's not cheating. You know, she's she's left him. And when I first heard this verse or this song, or maybe not first, but, you know, early on in some of the times I heard it, I, I took it more like she's just out of town. And I, and I and I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't connect the dots between verse one and verse two, apparently, because if you listen to verse one, she just walked out my door and my girl's gone. She don't care at all in verse two. To, now I, it implies to me that she she has left him. Like, like he, she is no longer wanting to be in a relationship with Prince. But I also, early on when I would listen to the song, thought that it was more of like she just is out of town or she's not here. So I'm going to use this opportunity to to um to cheat on her and you know that's that's a different very different uh kind of take on it but i don't necessarily know that that is what he intended i have no idea but i i don't think of it that way anymore but i wondered if like you had ever thought of it that way or if you've always had the same thought of it's his girl has left him and she's no longer coming back you know what it's so funny you say that because I think I sometimes I would I would think it was the other way around as you said like I think when I first heard the song I was like yeah you know she they broke up she left him he's on the rebound and then I think like years later I found myself going wait do I have this song all wrong so I think I think it's that way that this is you know she did leave him this is a breakup but I you know listening to the song sometimes I have different different takes on it um so it's really it's really kind of interesting how meanings change over time um but then you know when he says 
my girl's gone and she don't care at all. And if she did, so what? I, I still, I think I still kind of take that as he's just kind of like lashing out because he's still brokenhearted over what happened. Not that if she were still with him, he really would say he wouldn't care, but maybe he would. <laughs> so you never know. But I think that's still where I'm landing on it. Right, because if he was still with her and he says that, that's a pretty callous approach to, you know, yeah. to take. It's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't respect my girlfriend or I have, you know, no, no concept of uh, right and wrong here. So I'm just going to tell you that I want to sleep with you. And if my girlfriend doesn't or she cares, I don't. I don't and that's the important thing. So I, I'm with you on that. But there has been there have been times where I have thought of it in both ways or the other way at this point. So. And then uh, using the word ball to, um, to, I mean, he says the word fuck later on in the song, so he doesn't beat around the bush, but this is still the radio-friendly portion of the song. And as the song was a single, um, there was a version out there that was a truncated version of the song. Uh, it's a seven and a half minute long, or almost seven and a half minutes on the album, so there's no way that that is going to be, uh, the entire seven and a half minutes are going to make it onto the radio, so there had to be an edit. And um, keeping the lyrics PG throughout the verses is uh, a good idea if you're going to release the song. I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter. You can have, you know, all these, you know, bleeps and, and edits that don't even take the words out. They just they just mute it or um, censor it in some way. But back then, I think you just I didn't I personally didn't hear songs that had curse words being played on the radio even in edited form either you didn't play it on the radio at all or it was a completely different version of the song with the lyrics changed yeah i think this is a good question this is a good time to bring up a question that i had for you because I, I was thinking is this his most explicit song in terms of language up to this point like, I was trying to think about any other songs, even on Dirty Mind, where he said the word fuck, but I couldn't think of any. Yeah, he says it in Sister. Um, okay. In that one line where he screams it. But, first of all, he screams it, so it's not always easy to understand what he's saying, because he's, like, really frantically screaming that line. Plus, it's on a song about incest, so... That song was not going to get any kind of radio play. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, the, the, but up until then, he hadn't said the F word. And after that, I don't believe, don't believe he says any, I don't think he says the F word in controversy, the album at all. So you have that one kind of, I don't want to say throwaway, but that one line and sister. But yeah, I mean, if you're listening to 1999 and you you know you put the record on or the tape or CD, the first three songs don't contain any explicit language. But then you get to "Let's Pretend We're Married" and and things change, and you're like, whoa, whoa! So this, I mean, this is 1982, 1983. That is not something you hear. You don't hear your pop artists, um, or at least artists that are vying for pop attention pop radio play curse like this it's just not something that 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 was that was heard and it just it's very jarring i would imagine for for prince fans or anybody who was new to prince's 
music and, and picked up the 1999 album because they liked Little Red Corvette <laughs> or they liked 1999 and then they get to the song and it sounds like oh Prince is being dirty again you know let's pretend we're married so we can have sex and that's what the song is about and then you get to the end and we'll we'll get to that but yeah it is certainly I would agree it's it's the most explicit song that he's had up in, up to this point yeah, and I think you can think about it in different ways. It's like um, explicit in terms of content and language. And I mean, this has both, but I think when people think of his early music, they uh, they think of Sister and they think of Head and they think of Darling Nikki. But I don't think they they always think of this song in terms of just how uh, how many times he says the F word and like just how explicit it is. So I think like when I became, when I was a new Prince fan, it was kind of jarring to me um, as I was just kind of going through his discography. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting marker um, as you were explaining in his, in his career. Yeah. And the fact that the PMRC decided to, uh, target Darling Nikki as the song in Prince's discography in 1984, 85 to to really hone in on his um, the explicitness of of lyrics and pop music and and that are being sold to kids is baffling to me. Knowing that this album was big, this was a big record. It sold a lot of copies. And did Tipper Gore not listen to Let's Pretend We're Married? <laughs> No, she didn't. <laughs> like the only reason any of this came up was because wasn't it like her her daughter listening yeah. to Darling Nikki that set it all off? So yeah, it would just if her daughter. I guess if her daughter had been listening to this, this would have been the one. Right, but, but yeah. I mean, they didn't do their due diligence. Let's put it that way, because if <laughs> no. they would have said, "Oh, Prince is making," you know, has this song Darling Nikki on this massive album, Purple Rain, that is being sold to millions and millions of of kids around the world. Maybe let's check out some of his other stuff. No, they didn't bother doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't bother doing that. So they didn't they didn't do their homework. Whatever. All right, so then he goes to the chorus again after the second second verse, and it's uh, essentially the same. Oh, darling, if you're free for a couple of hours, if you ain't busy for the next seven years, let's pretend we're married and go all night. There ain't nothing wrong if it feels all right. I won't stop until the morning light. Let's pretend we're married and go all night. Now, I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about the chorus again, but the one thing I did want to point out is I do... I do find it amusing, and I've, I've mentioned this before because Prince has talked about this before, where he has this idea of of doing it all night because he has a song called Do It All Night off Dirty Mind. <laughs> and as it's like this really um, desirable and realistic way of, of having uh, sex, and it, <laughs> that, that, that's, I think, more of an ideal, and it sounds good, but the reality of it is very... It's very unachievable. <laughs> Speak for we're yourself, only, Jason. Only <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I agree. Won't stop until the morning light. All right, the Energizer Bunny, Prince. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so then he goes back into the post-chorus with the ooey-sha-sha-cuckoo-yale, the hippies sing together. Let's get, or let's just pretend we're married tonight. And then at that point, you have some synthesizers. And just to talk a little bit about the music, this is a very robotic-sounding song. It's heavy, heavy drum machine, uh, the keyboards. You know, he's got the do 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 going on, and and you get the Lindrum doing its thing. Uh, there really isn't a lot of other instrumentation. I think there's a little twinkle of piano, or maybe it's just keyboard sounds again later on in the song. But from a music standpoint, um, you don't get the guitar theatrics that you got on uh, Little Red Corvette, or this is just really Prince alone doing his thing with the with the Berlin drum machine and his his keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, like, infectious song. I mean, I enjoy, like, putting it on and, you know, kind of dancing around to it. But the melody is very catchy, too. It's almost like like a sing-song <laughs> quality. La, 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 you know? And then, mm-hmm. so, it's, it's just really kind of funny how he pairs, pairs almost, like, nursery rhyme-type melodies with, like, explicit content. But, um, yeah, I do enjoy the music of this one. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really good at um, having those really, uh, ner- like you said, nursery rhyme or very infectious hooks for songs that, with any other lyrics, could have been ma- massive smashes. I, I think of Jack You Off when I think of that, because that, mm. that song has a very melodic tone to it and sing-songy type chorus and uh, the way the keyboard is upbeat but the, <laughs> but the lyrics behind jack you off are not kid-friendly you know <laughs> we're not going to be <laughs> we're not going to be encouraging our children to uh, sing along and like he does later on and i think he's on sesame street with starfish and coffee so it's can't really do that with jack you off sorry or let's pretend we're married for that matter yeah all right, so uh, at, yeah, at this point, like he's got, he's kind of breaking the song down a little bit at this point with the with the instrumentation and and throwing some of the choruses back on there and kind of switching up some of the lines. He says, "Excuse me, but I need a mouth like yours to help me forget the girl that just walked out my door," which is the first two lines of the song. But then he just skips that and goes into a couple of lines from that he pulls from the chorus. Let's pretend we're married and do it all night. I won't stop until the morning light. And he kind of emphasizes that morning light with a bit of a scream. Um, and he, there's a there's another epic scream coming up very soon in this song. And it's, you know, one of those, if you're thinking of some of the more intense and epic screams in Prince's career, I wouldn't say this is number one, but I would certainly put it in the conversation. Coming up next, he does the course again. Darling free for a couple hours, busy for the next seven years. And he goes, let's pretend we're married and go all night tonight. And then he does that. I'm not going to try to do it, but he screams at this <laughs> point really loudly and very longly because he can. He has that ability. And, and behind the scream, you've got the ooey, sha, sha, cuckoo, yeah. 
let's pretend we're married, let's pretend we're married. So, do you, do you, do you know what scream I'm talking about, Erica? Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm not going to do it either. <laughs> right. I mean, I want to try to recreate it, but I'm just going to insert the scream here when I'm doing my editing because there's no way, there's no way that I can kind of any, give any indication of what I'm talking about. So, um, <clears throat> at this point, we've got another chorus. He just keeps, like I said, breaking the song down with, with keyboards some pianos and he's just singing some of the lines over again all the hippies sing together booby shasha cuckoo yeah and he goes my girl's gone and she don't care at all and if she did so what come on baby let's ball and then at this point you got the the keyboard just kind of keeping that that beat and then we get to kind of the the dirty part of the song and this is about six minutes in a little over six minutes in so we've got a good solid six minutes of song where he doesn't really get too explicit so at this point the, the radio edit has already kicked in it's six minutes into it so the song is long faded out before we get to this part but if you've got the full-length version you've got the album you're going to get uh prince starting to kind of talk a little dirty and he, and he doesn't sing it he's just speaking these lines fuck you so bad it hurts it hurts i wanna i wanna i wanna fuck you and then he says i want he says that again and then he says look here marcia i'm not saying this just to be nasty i sincerely want to fuck the taste out of your mouth can you relate <laughs> <laughs> i love that last line so we've already kind of alluded to these lines coming up where he really he really gets explicit and he doesn't like if he was beating around the bush before with the whole do it all night and um, do it to the morning light. At this point in the song, there's no question what he's wanting to do to this person. If you had any doubt up to this point, he wants to have sex with her, and he's calling her Marsha. And so, so this whole Marsha thing, I've always just personally, I've taken it to just be a name. Um, I don't know, I don't know any Marsha in his personal life I've, that I've read about or heard about. So, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on the Marsha thing or the section I, of the song in general? Yeah, I have not spent time trying to figure out who Marsha is. Like, <laughs> the, I know, like, there are whole, like, threads on the internet trying to figure it out. But, yeah, I think it's just a name. And it is, I mean, in terms of this section of the song, so I... Uh, I think, you know, every Prince fan has kind of an era that they are personally invested in. And I think I'm a little bit different because I I have a lot of personal connection to his 2000s material. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's when, I, like, I really became a, a, a quote-unquote super fan or whatever. And so, 
having that connection, and this is, you know, after he becomes a Jehovah's Witness and he's changed his lyrics, he's not swearing anymore. And I think to go back and explore his work, especially like, of course, I knew Purple Rain and I knew Darling Nikki and all this stuff, but to go <laughs> explore all of his work and to hear, I sincerely want to have the taste out of your mouth. It was very jarring for me. <laughs> but um, also, though, I think because I didn't come up in the 80s listening to his music like this, maybe. I don't have the same relationship. Like, I think there are a lot of fans who look at Prince as a sex symbol, as they should, but who, you know, who, like, would hear him say something like this, and if he's, like, their their idol at that, you know, like, their, I don't want to say teen idol, but someone they look at romantically, it's kind of exciting to hear him say this, and I've, like, like seen women online that say, oh, I, I wish I were Marsha. I don't have that relationship with friends. <laughs> so this, you know, I, I really just, I don't. So this section of the song doesn't make me excited or anything, um, huh. but I, it's, it's all fun, I guess. Just kind of speaking from my experience as, uh, as a man. So I, I was listening to Prince at this time, but I didn't hear this version of the song. So I was very young, you know, like eight years old when the song was out. So even if I had heard it, it's full length, I probably I probably would have just basically been in shock because I at that age, I I I'd heard the F word before. I'm not going to say that I hadn't, but I certainly wasn't hearing it. I wasn't allowed to watch like R rated films yet, (laughs) you know, for good reason. I was eight. Um, (laughs) But at the same time. I wasn't, I had an older sister and, you know, and, and I was exposed to probably some things that maybe some eight year olds are not, but F words in songs, period, doesn't matter if they're pop artists or not. I was not privy to. So this would have been completely shocking to me. I didn't hear the full version of let's pretend we're married for several years after, like by the time I was more like. I don't know, preteen, 12, maybe, th- maybe 13, because the 1999 album uh, escaped me for a bit. I was, I had the singles, and I'd heard all the singles, and um, that's about the extent of it, and then I moved on to Purple Rain. And I thought, okay, well, the best tracks I already heard, Little Red Corvette, 1999, Delirious, etc. And uh, it, it took a while for me to hear this, and by that time, I was already old enough when I I'd seen enough um, R-rated films or I'd listened to enough explicit lyrics in, in rap music in the, in the late 80s that by the time I heard this song, it wasn't as shocking to me as it would have been if I had listened to it five years earlier when it was fresh and new. And I, and I do know people that that were teenagers or, you know, young adults at this time that did hear this and were completely floored by it because of how blunt he gets and the bluntness of the lyrics because sex has been talked about in lyrics forever since the beginning of, of music but it's always been done in a very uh, a very cloaked way you know they have to use different language to get it past the censors or to keep them from being banned or even arrested you know like there i'm sure there are times and places well, i mean we have you know two live crews incident in in florida in the late 80s where you couldn't say, you know, the F word or talk about sex on stage in certain states in the, in the U.S. because it was it was a crime. And so the, to do this on a song, 
just felt like it was um, revolutionary in a way. Like I can't, like you couldn't believe it. It was that what you were hearing. It just like you had to rewind it and or you know pick the needle up and move it back. Like did he just say that? And that's just the kind of atmosphere it was in the early '80s. If this would have been released ten years later, nobody would have cared. It would have been just commonplace. I mean, ten years later, Prince released a song called "Sexy Motherfucker," and that was a hit. <laughs> and that just goes to show how things had changed in ten years. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that, and also I think now that I we're talking about the Marsha thing, what was it? Uh, the time would call women Stellas. Yeah. 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 So I think it's a little bit it, it may be something like that where just a name that kind of inserted to represent a you know female general in in general terms instead of you know saying um look here woman or look here girl just put a name in there and it just kind of is all representative and and not and in very generic. Yeah. All right, that's my take on it as an old man. So um <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll stick with that one. It, it still was shocking. Let's just put it that way. In 1982, 1983, that was, that was an absolutely shocking section of the song. And uh, I do have a story from another uh, another person who has been on my podcast, Jerry Bonner. And he's going to put, I'm going to insert that here because he has a story about how he played the song for his his friends, his teenage friends back in the day and how how that went over. Mm-hmm. And it was, as I mentioned, very shocking. So I've brought back Jerry Bonner to add a uh, anecdote or story for Let's Pretend We're Married uh, for this episode of Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. Welcome back, Jerry. Thank you again, Jason. So you have a story about Let's Pretend We're Married. I'd love to hear it because I have no idea what the story is. <laughs> Out of all the songs on on uh, 1999, and um, all, they're all obviously, you know, have their own uh, levels of greatness i guess in my own mind and i think a lot of prince fans out there would would agree but um the story that i have to to share about it is just so how it kind of shook me in a sense and if because of its overt sexuality and and use of the the word fuck now a lot of people you know will say you know fuck you or fuck off or whatever and that's different this was used in a, a completely sexual connotation and I had never really heard that before. As a 13-year-old Catholic schoolboy, you know, listening to the – a friend of mine lent me the cassette. I copied the cassette and because um, his mother just bought it for him randomly. Um, he wasn't even like a, a Prince fan. She said, you know, if, if, if and when you have parties or something, it would be a good album for that. And uh, – you know, so she just bought it for him and he had had little to no interest in it. So he lent it to me and I made a copy of it. And I remember l- sitting there listening to it, like kind of lying on my couch and, um, let's pretend Mary comes on and it's got that really kind of, you know, kind of cool beat and it's, it's already a little bit risque, but it's what it's talking about. And, um, you know, obviously again, for, you know, I was like 13 years old, you know, always, you know, Catholic schoolboy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it comes to the, you know, the, the, the part where, you know, Prince really breaks it down and, you know, I want to fuck you so bad. It hurts. So it hurts. It hurts, you know, and goes into all that. And I just, I, I was like, what am I here? I mean, what literally am I hearing right now? It just, it blew my mind that this was on like something pop, you know, like a pop album or something pop culturally related. I, I had to stop. I was listening to it on a Walkman. I had to stop it. 
rewind it, listen to it again to make sure that I'm hearing this properly. And um, it was just so right in your face, sexual. And um, it, it just was something that really, really struck a chord with me and really at both times kind of frightened me and excited me. Because again, at not hearing you know, listening to growing up, listening to, you know, to pop music and things like that. Nothing really that overt ever, you know, and again, using, you know, the word, you know, fuck, not as an insult or, or using it in its intended purpose as in, as, as a sexual term. Again, as a, you know, a 13 year old boy having an idea of what sex is, but not really understanding the mechanics of it. It just kind of, again, really blew my mind. And then, you know, so I listened to it, you know, that song almost, um, non-stop on that album and always had to kind of um you know make sure my parents went around or i kept it low if, if i was listening to it on in my room rather than without headphones don't want mom and dad hearing that because uh that would be a, you know they would have taken the tape and you know thrown it in the trash or, or whatever so you know we, we didn't need that happening but the, the second part of that is is that and it was actually not until probably a little bit later. I, I want to say it was the big, that was like in seventh grade I was in when I had first heard the song and, you know, I, the whole 1999 album and, you know, let's pretend we're married, obviously on the album. Um, there was a party that somebody threw at beginning of our eighth grade year. And I, I brought the tape, you know, in 1999 with me distinctly to play that song that, you know, to, to introduce the rest of my classmates right. to this because you, you can't you can only say it you know you say oh it's got this song on there it's crazy and talks about this and that and so i bring the tape and you know pop it in and um and there was you know a girl i had a, a, a you know severe massive crush on um and we're like kind of dancing to the song and i'm like okay now listen here listen to what's what's going to happen right in like the next you know 10 seconds and, you know, and then, you know, that part comes on and she's like, I never forget the look on her face. Like just there, again, it must've been the same as my look. I mean, obviously I couldn't see my face the first time I heard it, but hearing her or seeing her face and being like, Oh my God, you know, does that again, nobody really had heard that kind of stuff at all. And, you know, and, and not just that it was, you know, just there for shock value. It's, it's a great song in and of itself that kind of really, I think, um, I don't even know if we say if we want to skewers or lampoons the institution of marriage, but it is, you know, it kind of puts it in a different perspective than, than what you're used to hearing about this, you know, kind of forever concept, you know, but her reaction to that and, you know, some of the other kids, you know, like listening to it and it, some were, you know, obviously intrigued by it. Others were uh, offended and, you know, oh, how can you listen to that? Get that shit off. And, you know, you're, you're a bad person for bringing that here. And I'm like, well, <laughs> right. you know, you always get that kind of split even even when you're your children and people can you know take things you know a, a lot of different ways so but yeah her reaction to it and um you know us dancing to that song and kind of then you know singing along to it a little bit uh, will always be something that uh will stick in my mind you know with uh, let's pretend we're married yeah so, yeah yeah that's certainly quite the memory in terms of uh introducing the song to others for this for a, a reason that Kind, kind of, of shock value, about. yeah, but <laughs> I saw, people, but also, you know, hey, let's listen to the end. <laughs> yeah, I wanted people to, you know, you always want to try and, I guess, you know, I want people to appreciate what I appreciate or people that you like or are your friends. You want to introduce them to things and say, hey, you know, take a listen to this or, hey, look at this. You know, maybe you'll like it too and we can, you know, discuss it more or, you know, we can all, you know, enjoy it. And that was, you know, 
that was part of it, but also it was kind of like I, I was I did it for a little bit of shock value as well. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can relate to that. There was definitely some some songs in the late '80s where uh, I was listening to some early hip hop then, and and uh, that was like a lot of stuff where I had never heard before, like from Ice T or N.W.A. and yeah, very, cop very killer. I, I remember that playing thing. that in the dorm and people getting freaked out by cop killer. So yeah, right. I mean, hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be controversial even today, thirty years later. So certainly, oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Jerry. I appreciate you sharing that story. That's definitely an a interesting little tidbit of information about the history of songs and how it relates to us as as people and and how we interact with Prince's music. Um, as as opposed to it just being a passive thing where we listen and we absorb, but also the active part of it of sharing it and 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 what does it mean to hear things for the first time through Prince's music? So hearing the F word for the first time through a Prince song, um, and how did that? What did that do for you? Did it shock you to the point where you thought like, I'm never listening to this guy again, or was it more like, oh, okay, well this guy is certainly doing things that I never heard before. I want other people to hear it. And that was more of your. Yeah, take. definitely. Definitely the latter. I, I it, all it really, you know, it, I wanted to know more about this, this, you know, this guy from Minneapolis and I, I everything and anything at that point, I just wanted to, you know, absorb as, as much as, uh, as humanly possible. So, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks again for sharing that story. Thank you, Jason. So after he gets past this part and the, can you relate? He goes back into, or he says the lines, my girl's gone, she don't care at all, and if she did, I wouldn't care, let's ball. And now we're getting to the part of the song, which is kind of like this, uh, this like acapella, spiritual philosophy, like a spoken word section of the song. Uh, so he says, whatever you heard about me is true. I change the rules and do what I want to do. I'm in love with God, he's the only way, because you and I know we got to die someday. If you think I'm crazy, you're probably right, but I'm going to have fun every motherfucking night. If you like to fight, you're a double drag fool. I'm going to another life. How about you? All right. So, Erica, what, what you <laughs> being that you are writing a book about Prince and spirituality, and this, from the outside, from my perspective, listening to this song the first time, this feels out of place. It feels a little out of place to me. Like, it's just like some seemingly random and non sequitur thrown into a very sexual song. But what are your thoughts on adding this section to the very end of the track? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but I mean, thinking about, we were just talking about how shocking and jarring the previous section is. And I almost just want to pause and just talk about how brilliant he is because he's shocking you one way and you know and then now and with one verse and now with the spoken word section or actually the, it was in a verse it was he was it was another spoken word section but it's like okay I'm gonna shock you with how explicit I'm being and now I'm gonna shock you by inserting religion and again I get a little envious of folks who were here in real time that were able to experience this but I, I think about my mom 
who um, is a Prince fan and was a, a, a big Prince fan in the 80s, but she didn't like controversy because it had the Lord's Prayer at the end. It was like, what? why, why is he doing this? This is blasphemous. And I think this, you can look at it that way too. Here, there, my point is there are so many different interpretations, so I'll just try to go through quickly what I think about. But, I mean, you can just sum it up by saying he's being controversial. Like, his last album was controversy. He wants to shock you. He wants to get attention. He wants to push the boundaries of what you're supposed to be able to do in music. Because just like you said, there were limitations on what you could say in terms of sexual language or profanity. There were limitations in what you could say about religion or God on on record, too, or on the radio. Um, So I think he's playing with that for sure. But then also, I mean, you could make a case that this is a genuine belief Prince has. He can believe in sexual freedom, but at the same time, he does believe in God. He does believe that there's going to be an afterlife. There's going to be a heaven. He he holds both of these beliefs at the same time. So I think some people look at this and say... He's not, he wasn't really religious or he didn't really believe because look what he's doing. He's being blasphemous, but I don't think that's true. And I was recently watching that Larry King interview he did in 1999 and Larry King goes like, well, back in the day, I mean, we wouldn't really consider you a great believing soul. And Prince was like, that's not true. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think he held this genuine belief in God. Um, I think it also in this section when he says, um, you, if you think, like, you and I know we got to die someday, and then he goes on to say, I'm going to have fun every mother effing night, it, it goes back to 19, the song 1999 and this idea of partying and giving in and doing what you want in the face of the apocalypse. So I think there's some, some of that going on, too. Um, and I also think that... A lot of people would argue in listening to some of Prince's songs that he sees a certain spirituality in sex. Um, He looks at sex as a spiritual experience or being able to bring you closer to God. So I think there's some of that in this, too. And then I guess the the final thing that I want to mention, kind of before I throw it back to you, is that I talked to um, Prince's one of Prince's publicists at the time, Howard Bloom. And Mm -hmm. I asked him about this song, and I thought he had a really um, interesting take on it. So I'm just going to read the quote of of what he said to me. And he he, he said, um, you know, maybe Prince wasn't referring to the the Christian concept of afterlife, but kind of a way of extending his DNA through procreation. So Howard Bloom says, you know the phrase, la petite mort, it refers to orgasm. And there is something very resurrection-like about orgasm. That's been an aspect of sexuality for a long time. And you never know to what extent Prince is using allegory or metaphor. And because there's another aspect, which when you're young, you don't look at, but you know it's there. And it's that sex is a way of transcending death. You and I will both die, but if we have sexual offspring, they will carry on our genetic line. So I like he kind of blew my mind with that. I wasn't even thinking about that, but it's just it's just Prince Prince's music is so interesting. You can just get a really deep interpretation like that. Or maybe some people don't think it's that deep, but I wasn't always thinking like that. So I was grateful for his perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I had not 
thought of it in that terms either. So it is very interesting to get that perspective and to look at these lines in a way that I hadn't before. So that that's very cool. I'm glad you glad you brought that up and and, and read that quote because I I think a lot of people might be <laughs> have some mind blown <laughs> listening to that because it's it's not the more typical, it's not the more common I think way of of listening to and and interpreting these lines. When I read that first line, whatever you heard about me is true. So I'm thinking back to once again the controversy album or specifically the song controversy because that song is all about bringing up questions about Prince's uh, race, religion, background, um, just w- what is it? He, what is he all about? And at this point, he's saying, "Whatever you heard about me is true." So whatever it is that people are saying about me, even if it's not true, he's going to say it's true because he wants. I think he wants to kind of bring home the point that people are going to talk about him, and that's okay, you know. And and if people want to say that. The prince is a um, a sex fiend, or you know, just has one track mind, as indicated by a lot of the material that he put out on Dirty Mind and Controversy. I think um, because this song has a lot to do with that. In addition to the religious aspect that he's about to start talking about after this line, he's saying it's all true. I I am very much into sex, but I'm also religious, so. Whatever you heard about me is true. Whether you heard that I'm a religious man or that I'm an extremely sexual man, they're both true. And the fact that then he follows that up with, I change the rules and do what I want to do. We already, you know, anybody who's been listening to Prince and especially up, um, you know, his entire career. But at this point in 1982, when the song was released, you have to uh, take a look at his discography leading up to that point, and you have to, to make that conclusion yourself as well, that he does do what he wants to do. Who who else would put out an album called Dirty Mind with a very singular focus and sing songs about oral sex and incest and and then go into controversy and, and do the things that he did on that album and not think that he had creative freedom and, and had the ability to make songs that only he had uh, the, the ability to make and that he wasn't being manipulated by other forces or being told like he wasn't, there was no puppet master behind Prince pulling the strings and forcing him to make these explicit songs for shock value. He was doing them because that's what he wanted to do. He was changing the rules. And one way that he changed the rules, I think, was inserting this, this spiritual and sexual sides together in a way that not many had done before. And um, the next few lines with I'm in love with God is the only way and repeating that and, you know, uh, going to another life just emphasized what the rules that he was breaking, how how he intertwines those and, and intended to intertwine them at this point and throughout his career, because even though he he stopped being explicit after becoming a Jehovah's Witness. He didn't stop becoming sexual. Uh, there's a lot of very sexy songs in his 2000s beyond discography. And so the fact that he maybe not isn't going to talk about sex in a very blunt and some would say crass terminology uh, it doesn't mean that he's changed at the core of who he is. And that's that's kind of what I'm taking away from this last section of the song. I, I think that's also 
where monogamy comes in a little bit later and his lyrics as it pertains to sex, I think um, if, if we just go forward a couple more years to a song like Temptation on Around the World in a Day, and it's all about this idea, like he's having this conversation with God at the end, and it's about this idea of wanting sex for the right reasons, you know, with one person in a monogamous relationship or with a person that you love. And we see that on, um, like, I think during live during the Purple Rain tour, um, where he has this little monologue, poor, lonely computer. And it's like, you know, <laughs> trying to, to um, get to the difference between love and lust. And um, you see that on Love Sexy, too, where it's like, you know, of course, sex didn't go away, but it's, well, there are a lot of things going on with Love Sexy, but I think uh, on the Love Sexy album, you also see um, him embracing his sexual side. But again, it, it has to be something more. So it's it's no longer this idea of free love and casual sex. It, it has a deeper meaning. Um, so you can see that as time goes on. And then um, I also want to hit on another life. I'm going to another life. How about you? Of course, we think of heaven and we think of the afterworld. But something that I've been kind of like waking up to <laughs> recently with Prince is that another life doesn't always mean after death. Um, because he talks a lot about the afterworld or a new world in his music. And it's not necessarily after death. It's about creating a different type of reality. So he could be talking about artistic freedom or economic freedom or social freedom and equality for, you know, black people, equality for poor people. So it, there are all of these layers to another life when Prince talks about that, that I don't, that I didn't necessarily pick up on. And in the context of this song, you could think about heaven, but then you could also think about this other reality where sexual freedom is okay and where that is okay. And then also the belief in God is okay at the same time. So it's really interesting to think about those different meanings. Yeah. Yeah. I think the going to another life for so many people, that means one thing that it's really easy to forget or to ignore any alternate meetings to that or alternate uh, ideas that are being expressed through those words. So I appreciate you bringing that up and mentioning that because it's, it's seemingly on the surface, a very black and white statement. He's talking about heaven, you know, he's talking about after you die. That's definitely something that is an interesting take on it. And I think a lot of people miss myself included. So appreciate you bringing that up. So one other thing I wanted to bring up also, because I like finding common threads with some of his lyrics, like I'd mentioned already, the hippie line where he brings up hippies and, and just the fact that, you know, in the 1980s, the hippie movement had passed. And so bringing up hippies seems like kind of an odd choice and to do it not once, not twice, but, you know, multiple times throughout multiple albums. But also he brings up or he mentions, um, uses the words double drag. So if you like to fight, you're a double drag fool. And it's funny because the last song that I recall that he used double drag was the song that we had collaborated on before, <laughs> Sexuality. Because he's talking about uh, in sexuality, it's it's during his uh, railing against uh, tourists. 
they're all a bunch of double drags who teach their kids that love is bad. Half the staff of their brain is on vacation. So I just thought it was interesting that double drag is an int- is a kind of, it's not a term that you hear a lot. <laughs> I didn't hear it much back then. I don't hear it at all now. And he not only used it on this song, but on the previous song that we had done together with sexuality. So I just thought I would make that connection and bring that up for that uh, reason. Yeah, yeah, agree. Okay, uh, so let's pretend we're married. That's the song. I think it's really significant from the standpoint of it, of it tying those two worlds together again, like he's so keen to do with the sacred and the profane and the sexual and the spiritual, because he's certainly profane on this song. <laughs> but um, he's also really talking about something sacred, which is, which is monogamy and marriage, even if it's not in the terms that we typically think of marriage, like, you know, actually going through the the process of legally um, binding two people together in a, in a quote-unquote marriage contract. But he still brings it up, and he's still talking about, you know, the sanctity of marriage in terms of how sex is supposed to be looked at in a, in a, in a marriage or in a monogamous relationship. So this song, for me, really is significant for that reason. And it's a fun song, and it's, it's, it's an interesting track, uh, musically, uh, it has a very you know very bouncy beat with that keyboard and lindrum. It's completely addictive to listen to, and, and you mentioned dancing. It's an easy song to dance to and kind of forget some of the things that he's saying in it. But I, I like "Let's Pretend We're Married" a lot, and uh, I I'm glad we had a chance to go through this song. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on the song at all? No, I think um, you wrapped it up uh, pretty nicely. I guess I will say I'll probably go listen to Tina Turner's version <laughs> to see how she, because she covered this, and mm-hmm. I think she changed a little, a few things here and there, so I'll probably go listen to that and see if the meaning changes for me when, she, you know, because it's being done from a female perspective. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard Tina's version. I know she did she did it live quite often, and I do know she did change the lyrics in the chorus a little bit. And she certainly doesn't have that whole section at the end. So that's <laughs> that's too that's too specific to Prince. I mean, anybody trying to do that is just just mimicking uh, Prince at that point. There's no way that they could take that and make that their own. <laughs> yeah. No matter how hard they're, no matter how much they would like to. All right. Well, thank you, Erica. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up now. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. Thanks to Erica Thompson for joining me on this discussion. Erica, where can people find you outside of your blog? Do you have any Twitter presence or on Instagram or anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, thanks again for having me. And um, my Twitter and Instagram handle, um, it's at Miss, M-I-S-S underscore E Thompson. Okay, thank you. And I can be found at uh, at PressRewind75 on Twitter and Instagram. All right, thanks again, and until next time, goodbye. Bye.